Good evening, everyone. Uh, welcome to Wednesday night Bible study. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. So, uh, Pastor Steve is not here today, so I'm filling in for him, and I'm pretty thankful to have been trusted with this task. It was uh, wonderful studying it, and I'm looking forward to uh, hopefully you guys get something out of it. So, we're going to be continuing the uh, the books of Acts, and we're going to start today. We're doing chapter ten. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to get through all of it, but we'll do our best to do as much as we can to you know to respect time. So for those of you that are listening, you're missing out because I totally have a PowerPoint, and uh, <laughs> and I love using PowerPoints. So I love using PowerPoints. Like it's just my thing. So whenever I get a chance to use a PowerPoint, I'm going to use a PowerPoint, and I'm going to have notes and graphs and pictures. So if you're listening, you're missing out. But it'll be downloaded. But it'll be downloaded, so you'll have access to the PowerPoint because uh, Adrian will put it in the in the website. So with that said, uh, let's open it up in prayer. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you this evening, Lord, for today, for allowing us to spend time with you, Lord, and studying your word. And we pray that uh, the lesson you know, ministers us and reaches us, Lord, and teaches us something more about you, Lord, as you, we continue to study your word and we get to know who you are, Lord. We pray that these lessons help in achieving that. And uh, on Wednesdays and Sundays and every time we pray, Lord, that we get to know you and we get to know your will, Father. So we just pray for everybody that's here, everybody that couldn't make it, everybody that's listening through podcast. Uh, we pray for all of them for peace during these uh, tumultuous times. We pray for your peace, Lord, for your hope. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So we're in chapter 10. So I'm going to give you a quick little rundown of what the chapter 10 is going gonna, is gonna, to uh, entail and then where I'm probably going to stop. So it's up two visions, right? Uh, one one vision is to a Gentile, that being Cornelius. Second vision is to Peter. Those two visions are going to collide. The gospel will be preached <laughs> shortly after that. And then, you know, the Jews are going to learn something new. And we're going to learn the order of baptism and all this. So how far we'll get, we'll probably get to maybe the ending of the visions. I'll see how, how it goes with questions and all that. Uh, but we'll get started. And we'll get started with verses 1 and 2. So I had those in the PowerPoint all written down. If you have your Bibles at home, turn it over to them. If you have your Bibles on a uh, digital device or book, you know, your favorite method of reading the Bible, go ahead and grab that. So verses 1 and 2 is this. Now there was a man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household. And he gave many alms to the Jewish people and pray to God continually. So we're going to stop right here for a bit because I want to set the stage of what's going to happen in the, in the next few verses, right? And we're going to do that by, first of all, finding out where Caesarea is. So Caesarea, you see that? Yeah, pretty nifty, huh? It's right there in the northern part of, in the northern part of uh, Israel, or in the, in the northern part of the Middle East there, south of Galilee. So it's there. And Caesarea... Uh, Part of modern-day Palestine, and the reason why I'm showing that on the map is I want to give you guys a visual perspective of where Christianity was at this time. It hadn't spread out yet. It was still confined to the Middle East, right? But it was starting to grow, and um, it, um, you know, and it was definitely during Roman times, right? Here's a picture of Caesarea, what it looks like, kind of like what it looks like today. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful town, by the way. So part of that is by the ocean. It was beautiful. It still is beautiful. You know, you can see here in this map, there's Herod's palace, 
So the town was founded by King Herod. They have a theater. There's the amphitheater. And then there's the temple there on the, on the end. But it's all, you know, by the ocean, by the water. So it's, it's a pretty, uh, pretty, very pretty town. So is that the same Syria and the... That was Syria in Bible time also, and in Syria now. It's Caesarea, uh, so yeah. So it's, it's basically in the, in the Middle East part, northern part there of Israel. You, those towns still exist; they're still there. Is it part of Israel? I'm not sure if it was Israel. I, th- I think it might be part of Palestine. I got to double so, check on that. I thought there was a country called Syria now. Syria, Syria. No, this is, this is Caesarea. So it's spelled C-A-E-S-E-R-A. Oh, so like oh, okay. of Caesar. Versus Syria, S-Y-R-Y-A. Welcome, welcome. So, we have people walking in, and they're totally going to enjoy the PowerPoint. (laughs) So, so yeah, so this is Syria of King Caesar, you know. But, yeah, it's in the Middle East. I'm not sure if it's part of Israel or Palestine, but it is modern-day Palestine, so it probably is in the Palestine side. Okay? So that's what it looks like. It's beautiful, right? I mean, it looks beautiful. Based on that, I think it might be Israel. Right, so that's the location where it all begins. So that's what we're starting Acts chapter ten. Okay, so that's the initial location of where everything is starting, right? And so now let's talk about Cornelius. Who is Cornelius? Cornelius is a centurion in the Roman army. He's God fearing, and he's devout. So those are the three things about Cornelius, right? In Roman times. A centurion was the highest non-commissioned officer, and they uh, basically had authority over 100 soldiers. Though, likely it was maybe 80, but centurion, right? It's uh, from the Greek centurio, which we derive the word century from, which means 100, right? So he was part, he led about 100, usually probably 80, 80 to 100 soldiers, and he was part of the Italian regiment, Roman, right? Roman times, Caesarea, Caesar, you know, so it all ties to that, right? He was part of the Italian regiment, and that regiment in that region was about 600 soldiers strong. So out of the 600, he was ruling about, he was had authority of about maybe 80 to 100, so he had a big chunk of authority. And when you look at the whole, you know, at the whole, uh, you know, army set up the way it was set up, right? So he was God-fearing, he was devout, but he was not yet a Jew. So in verse 11, in Acts 11, it'll explain that, you know, it'll say about uh, Cornelius that you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. So he was uncircumcised. So he was not a Jew. He was devout. He believed in God. He went to synagogue. He studied the Old Testament. But he was not a Jew. So this is important. This is going to be, this is going to mean something at the end. That's why I'm bringing it up now. That's why I'm spending a little bit of time studying it now. Or talking about it now. Jews, the Jewish people, saw him as a pagan. Alright, so they did not see him as, 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 a, as a Jewish person, the psalm as a pagan, as a Gentile, right? But he had favor with them. In fact, you know, uh, centurions had favor with the villagers. So it's common for him to get along with the villagers, right? Um, he went to, uh, he was not a Christian either, obviously, right? But he was there. That's who's in, so we're talking about Caesarean, you know, in the, in, the middle, in the Middle East. He's a centurion. And here I have a picture of, of uh, for those that are here. This is what a centurion would look like, right? And this is what a Roman soldier looks like. So he, he stood out. He had a cape. He stood out among the, among the villagers, right? So let's go now through, uh, from verses 3 to 6, right? So Cornelius, Caesarea, there we are. The, the stage is set. 
Verse 3. About the ninth hour of the day, he was he clearly saw a vision, and an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius. And fixing his gaze on him, and being much alarmed, he said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and alms have been ascended as a memorial before God. Now dispatch some men to Joppa, and send for a man named Simon, who is also called Peter. He is staying with the tanner named Simon, whose house is by the sea. So we just saw the map that it's, a, it's, a, it's an ocean town, so he's going to stay in the ocean. Right? Ninth hour. That means that it was at 3 p.m. in Jewish time, Jewish custom times. Uh, he was described as God-fearing, so it makes sense that he was praying. Right? And he was praying in one of those times. Right? Jewish, Jewish people had twi- two prayers a day. 9 a.m., 3 p.m., or ninth hour and third hour, I think is what it was. So, so he was doing his devout thing. He was praying. And as he was praying by himself, as usually how they prayed, he had a vision. And you notice how the angel uh, appealed to his piety, right? He alms means he gave charitable gifts. So he, you know, the angel appealed to that and said, "Hey, you, you know, God has seen that. God is going to honor that." However, he didn't. All he did was tell him to go somewhere. The angel didn't do anything else other than go here. That's all he said, right? So. The angel does not share the gospel. In fact, the angel just tells him, go to, go here to, to get Peter, and that's it. So that's the angel. So notice the vision, right? Keep in mind, keep that in mind, because that's going to mean something again at the end. And then uh, Simon of Tanner lives by the sea. So that's where we're at so far. Any questions so far on verses 3 to 6? Okay, perfect. So here, he sends him to Joppa, right? So he says, go to Joppa. So I'm going to go back to the map. So there's Caesarea. Joppa is about 30 miles south. Right? So I want you to keep something in mind. 30 miles today, so what, 30 to 45 minute drive depending on traffic. Maybe an hour if there's really heavy traffic. It's a two day trip in those times. So it wasn't a short trip by any means. So it was 30 miles south. So definitely a journey, definitely an adventure, right? Definitely like a calling, like the angel says, go here. It's not just like go down the street. It's like, no, go, go on a journey. So we're going to continue to verses 7 and 8. When the angel who was speaking to him had left, he, being a Cornelius, summoned two of his servants and a devout soldier of who were his personal attendants. And after he had explained uh, everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. So key thing here Cornelius led a, an army of a hundred he called basically three of his confidants right one soldier one being a soldier he explained to them and they just listened and went so that's interesting because that's ba- that's the, an example of acting by faith so he was acting by faith in fact all three of all of them were acting by faith right uh, they had limited information that's what faith is right limited having limited information and acting on it and so that's what they did. Limited information. The angel just said to go here. That's all he told me. But they did it and they obeyed. So clearly Cornelius had influence among people because for him to just say it like that and for them to just listen and go, that means he had influence. He had he had pull. You know, people listened to, people looked up to him. You know, so you know he's a leader of an army and he's a you know he's a man that's devout in his faith. So they saw that, they listened to him, and they went. Any questions so far on, on Cornelius, Adrian? Okay, that's how you... No? Okay. All right. So we're going to go 9 through 13. Now, so that was 
that takes uh, all of that's all of Cornelius' vision. Very short, sweet, coherent. That's it. So now we're gonna move on to Peter's vision. So on your sheet, I think it's the second bullet point, Adrian, mm-hmm. or third bullet point. Second bullet point. Thank you. It's gonna be verses nine through thirteen. So, oh, sixteen or thirteen? No, it's thirteen. Okay. So, on the next, uh, starting at verse nine, on the next day, as they were on their way and approaching the city, Peter went up to the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. But he became hungry and was desiring to eat. But while they were making preparations, he fell into a trance. And he saw the sky opened up and an object object like a great sheet coming down, lowered by four corners on the ground. And there were in it all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth and birds of the air. And a voice came to him and said, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. So we're going to stop right there for just a second. And we're going to notice, here's the sixth hour, so it's around noon, right? Jewish custom had, Jewish uh, law had two prayer times, in the morning and in the ninth hour. But he was having a third prayer time at noon. So that was actually more of tradition and not law. So the Jewish people at the time were so religious, quote-unquote, so religious that they were adding an extra prayer to the day. Out of tradition, not out of commandment. So again, keep that in mind. All this is going to mean something at the end, I promise you. So, uh, he fell into a trance. Interestingly enough, I don't know if you guys knew this, but the Greek for fell into a trance is how we derive the word ecstasy, which we know to be a drug. And when you're... <laughs> I've never been in, it with, in an ecstasy, but you know, for those of you that have. So, you know, a trance means an out-of-body experience. This is something wild. Right? This is not just your typical, you know, moment, but he's in a in an out of body crazy experience, right? And he starts seeing animals, all kinds, four footed and, and you know and and birds and all these animals. And a voice, you know, uh, a voice says, Go go get up Peter and kill and eat. Now notice how this one it wasn't an angel, but it was a voice. And in Jewish custom they would call that a bath call, a divine voice. It was definitely a divine voice. So if you study Jewish, and it's a neat little study if you guys want to go further into that, but bath call is what it was called when you would hear a divine voice. And that's what that's what uh, Peter heard. Alright? So we're going to go now to verse 14 through 16. You're right, Adrian. It was, four, it was through 16 was uh, Peter's vision, right? So Peter said in verse 14, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unholy and unclean. And again the voice came to him a second time, What God has cleansed no longer is considered unholy. This happened three times, and immediately the object was taken up to the sky. So let's stop. That's pretty much the most the bulk of uh, Peter's vision, right? So Peter right away appealed to Levitical law. I don't want to eat unclean animals, right? However, and here's the thing: is that keep in mind, Peter was with Jesus, right? Everybody agree on that? Was Peter with Jesus, right? <clears throat> Does anybody know what Jesus said about Levitical eating? So in Mark 7, 14, this is what Jesus said. Mark 7, 14. I'm going to do a little cross-reference. It says, After he called the crowd to him again, he began saying to them, this is Jesus talking, Listen to me, all of you, and understand, there's nothing outside the man which can defile him if, if it goes into him, but things which proceed out of the man is what def- can defile the man. So basically at that point, Jesus had done away with that Levitical law. So the fact that Peter, who was with them, was still trying to revert to Jewish customs and traditions, even though Jesus had already spoken on that, 
kind of tells you, I don't know, I get a kick out of learning who Peter was, what type of person Peter must have been. You know, um, not to go too much into this particular subject, but I don't know, Lazaro, you might speak to this, but I get asked all the time, you know, one, you know, because in the Old Testament, there's a lot of laws, mm-hmm. right? And then in the New Testament, not that many. And so the, one of the questions I get, especially when I go street preaching, is when does an Old Testament law stop? And when, when, when is it that it stops? And in the New Testament, you know, what, what is the overriding factor? Like what causes the, the Old Testament law not to be enforced anymore, like eating shellfish and things like that? And it's exactly like that. Jesus overriding it. Jesus spoke to it and he overrode it. And Peter should have known that, right? Who, Peter should have known that. Who raised their hand? Of course. Right? So, <laughs> so that's my little commentary on that. I, just, I think it's interesting. And also, um, the symbol is in three times, right? When Jesus was alive, Peter denied Jesus three times. I'd like to point out, Peter did not... Oh, you okay? Peter did not have the benefit of the Holy Spirit. Not yet, exactly. We're going to talk about that. But we're sitting here saying he yeah. should have known. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like, you know, I, I think from a perspective is, because I'm, I'm, the point I'm making is a three thing. So, for example, he denied Jesus three times. And then Jesus asked him, do you love me? Three times. And, on, and if you guys recall, on the third time that Jesus asked, do you love me? Peter actually wept. He's like, Lord, you know that I do. Like, he almost like a defeated, you know, attitude, right? So... You know, to say he didn't have the Holy Spirit, you're right, he didn't. But this, exactly, this is, the Holy Spirit is the fun part that happens at the end of this chapter. That's the whole, the spoiler, if you will. Because that's exactly what's going to happen at the end. So, and kind of setting the stage in that is that he didn't have certain benefits, you're right. But, I mean, he, he, Jesus said it. So, you know, what happened during this time is that G, you know, Peter was, in fact, kind of reverting back to, he was going back to traditionalism, whether it's Jewish or not. You know, at the time it was happens to be Jewish, but... He was reverting, you know, and that's what we do as believers too. We start reverting back to tradition versus acting on faith, right? So that's, the, you know, I think the overall uh, point I was making is that Peter, you know, yeah, he should have known, but it, you know, I think instinctively humanity, just we just tend to start reverting when when we're not, you know, doing that. So, but three is a significant number in the Bible, right? They, you know, resurrection took three days, you know, three, three, and for Peter, three is, I think, is especially important because he's had <laughs> experiences with three before. And here he had yet another experience with the number three when the, in the, the voice had to tell him three times, you know, what God has cleansed is no longer considered unholy, right? So, yeah, that's, that's an issue. thank you so much, Marsha, for pointing that out because that's, that's exactly what we're going to talk about. That's exactly the, the grand finale of this chapter, if you will. So, on verses uh, 17 to 23, looking for Peter, right? Now the, you know, the soldiers have arrived. So immediately after Peter's vision, immediately. So now, in verse 17, now while Peter was greatly perplexed, perplexed in mind as to what the vision which, had, which he had seen might be, behold, the men who had been sent by Cornelius, having asked directions for Simon's house, appeared at the gate. And calling out, they were asking whether Simon, who was also called Peter, was staying there. And while Peter was reflecting on the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold! Three men are looking for you. What stands out in this verse of what we just read? So, what is a key difference that you're noticing right off the bat? Can anybody point that difference out? Something was very different here from before. So, there's something different in these three verses about the voice that from the previous three verses. Right? In the previous three verses, if you notice in the previous three verses, it was a divine voice. 
that talked to Peter, right? In the previous three verses, it was, uh, or in the previous verses, I'm sorry, from 9 through, uh, from 9 through, yeah, from 9 through 16, it was a voice that said, get up, Peter, kill and eat. It was a voice. Well, mine's right? written in red, which means that it was God speaking. It was a divine voice, and, exactly. And, and the other one is not. Which one? The, the second. The, while Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, and then they called out asking us. I'm not sure which, what was the... Yeah, so which which one is, is in red for you? Simon, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go. That one's not in red. That one's not in red. Interesting, because in here... Spirit is with a capital S. I don't know if you have that on, on you or not. So that's actually the Holy Spirit. Is, right? The Holy Spirit. Right? It's the Holy Spirit here, whereas before that it was a divine voice. It could be a God voice, obviously, but it was still, you know, in the Greek in the Greek translation, it's still a, a, yet a divine voice versus a Holy Spirit voice. So key difference here is that the Holy Spirit is telling them, Behold, three men are looking for you. Right? So Simon of uh, t- uh, Tanner lived in a small house, Peter was in the roof. He was easy to find. But I thought that was very interesting because Cornelius had an angel. Right? Peter began with a divine voice and it culminated with the Holy Spirit talking to him. So these visions are definitely divine in nature. I think at the end of the day, but it's interesting how they are different but the same. Really because it's God at the end of the day, right? So different but the same. I'm gonna make a. I'm gonna arrive to that. I'm gonna make a point of that a little bit later. So on verse twenty. So now this is uh, still looking for Peter. Verses twenty-two through twenty-three. And it says, "But the the Holy Spirit here is still talking, right? But get up, go downstairs, and accompany them without misgivings, for I have sent them myself." Peter went down to the man and said, "Behold, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for which you have come?" They said. Cornelius is interior, a righteous and God-fearing man, well spoken of by the entire nation of the Jews, was divinely directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and hear a message from you. So he invited them and gave them lodging, and on the next day they got up and went away with them, and some of the brethren from Joppa, or Joppa, I don't know how to pronounce it, accompanied him. So Holy Spirit was still talking. Uh... Again, this is what faith looks like because at this point, everybody, Peter and the, and the soldiers, are all still acting on limited information. They don't know the whole plan yet, but they're acting on faith, right? So, we're going to stop right there for a second and pause for questions. Any questions so far? It gets really good at the end. I, and I had so much fun doing this study, by the way. So, no. Okay, you guys see the map of Syria and all that? I'll show it to you later. So, <laughs> all right. So, now we're going to go through... Peter and Cornelius finally interact. So now remember, it's a two-day trip from Caesarea to Joppa. It was a two-day trip. So now they go two days back north, right? So verse 24, On the following day he enters Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter raised him up, saying, Stand up, I too am just a man. And he talked with them, and he entered and found many people assembled. So Cornelius was waiting for him. And I'm going to make a little commentary that might... I don't want it to come off offensive or anything like that or insulting. I'm not. That's not what I'm trying to do. But I'm, I'm trying to prove, a, I guess, show a, a, a way to kind of like... Just like we talked earlier on how, you know, Peter was kind of reverting to certain traditions. 
In this particular case, Peter was very humble. He says, stand up, I am just a man. Right? Cornelius went on his knees and tried to worship him, and immediately Corneli- uh, Peter said, get up. You know, I'm, I'm a man. I'm, don't, don't worship me. Right? In today's uh, Christianity, if you will, whether it's, you know, I, I don't know, I don't want to pick on religions, but say Roman Catholicism comes to mind, but a few other, even, even Protestant denominations comes to mind as well, not just Roman Catholicism, really, where, you know, we start putting certain leaders on pedestals mm-hmm. and worship them, you know, whether it's kissing the ring or kissing their feet, you know, and, 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 these, and these leaders, they take it, they accept it, mm-hmm. right? But Peter is giving us an example here, uh-uh, I too am just a man, mm-hmm. get up. So I thought that was an interesting, you know, you know, Peter, for all his, you know, <laughs> you know, certain, we just, I pretty much just bashed Peter for the first part of this lesson, you know, but here, you know, Peter is actually, man, he's really humble. He, he's a man, he's a man of, you know, he, his true nature came out and he's a really humble guy, you know, so, yeah, I, I think, it, you know, for me, you know, when you see that sort of thing, it's a red, for me personally, it's a red flag. I don't know how you guys feel about it, if you have any thoughts on that, but any questions on that or any thoughts on that? I think it's a huge red flag when you see certain Christian leaders being exalted when they shouldn't be. Right, and here Peter's showing us that that's not the way. So, we're going to go through verse... I'm kind of skipping this. Okay, there we go. Verse 28 and 29. So, and he said to them, you yourselves... Uh, this is Peter talking, right? And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or to visit him. And yet God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. That is why I came without even raising any objection when I was sent for. So I ask, for what reason you have sent me? You have sent for me, right? So uh, I think this is starting to actually answer part of the part of the thing you had, Marsha, with the whole Holy Spirit thing. That you know, Peter's starting to see it. Right? Peter's starting to see it. He's like, you know, this is this is why Peter's vision was different. <coughs> right, whereas Cornelius' vision was an angel saying, "Here, go here," and that was it. Peter's vision was radically different than than Cornelius's vision, right? It was a trans and and clean and, and 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 a lesson of clean and unclean and you know reminders of what you know. It was a very different vision. This is why Peter's starting to get it. And so uh, Peter was not allowed in Gentiles people home. So. Uh, in the beginning of the study of you know the, the lesson, we talked about Cornelius being you know devout and God fearing, but not quite a Jew. And this is why I wanted to hone that in the beginning, because that's significant here in verse twenty eight, that's proves to be very significant. Peter was not allowed to be with him. But because of the visions, uh what's it called? Um, because of the visions, he went and he obeyed and he did it, right? So naturally Peter was obedient. He knew why he was summoned. Uh, <clears throat> Peter at this point was disobeying Jewish ritualism, so keep that in mind. So now he went from he went from I don't want I don't want to eat any unclean animals <laughs> to I'm literally disobeying Jewish tradition because I'm visiting with Cornelius. See how I mean how radically that that changed that that just took place in a matter of of you know a couple of days really, right? It's a two day trip, but you guys see how now the visions are starting to make sense. So. <clears throat> we're going to go through verses 30 to 33. This is basically now it comes together that this is a divine appointment. Right? So I'm going to read these verses real quick. Cornelius said, 
four days ago to this hour, I was praying in my house during the ninth hour. And behold, a man before me in shining garments, a man stood before me in shining garments, and he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms have been remembered before God. Therefore, send to Joppa and invite Simon, who is also called Peter, to come to you. He is staying at the house of Simon, the tanner by the sea. So I sent you immediately, and you have been kind enough to come. Now then, we are all here present before God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So these three verses is basically a recap of what we just you know, read before. But I want to bring to attention to the key, and I had it on the line here, is shining garments, right? A man before shining garments. So, shining garments. What is that? What is that? Anybody know what significance that has? Well, I mean, he heard a divine voice, so right. there, and then there's the illumination of the garments, and, you know, he knew that it was an angel of God. Right, right. <clears throat> That's a good point, Adrian. Uh, so, basically, in the Bible, during these times, whenever an angel would appear... They were always described this way. Shining garments. Let me give you guys some examples. In Acts one ten, so this is just you know a few chapters before. Let me read Acts one ten. It says, And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. So here you see how this you know angels are described as always the, think about the imagery here, how angels are described. Let me reference Matthew twenty eight three. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. So this is right after the resurrection. Again, look how the look how the angels being described, right? And now in Luke twenty four four. And while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. So angels see how they're described dazzling clothing white as snow white clothing in this case shining garments you know and, and if you read each of the gospels whenever they describe angels they're described this way shining garments white clothes it is it, it, it i think it's just it's really you know i'm trying to show the consistency of the bible when they're describing angels because the bible again i'm going to go on a little side note here Diego attack the bible when the bible's under attack one of the most common attacks it has is is it, it contradicts itself and I'm making the point. No, it doesn't. It's actually pretty consistent. So, any questions so far on what that meant? Okay, perfect. So now we're going to go through 34 and 35. What is Peter speaking of? So, in verse 34, opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. But in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. So this is, a game, this is basically one of those game changers in the Bible. Why is it a game changer? Anybody? Because um, we're not supposed to show partiality. It's yeah, no, that's true. That's a good answer. Right? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, if God right. tells you to go somewhere, you got to go. Right. But a game changer that God reveals no favors, right? I mean, Cornelius was a Gentile. Mm-hmm. And a vision came to him. Right? And so it's actually, this impartiality thing is going to get even bigger in the next few verses. I think we're going to have to come to time to go through all of it, huh? So, uh, but yeah, Peter's learning something new. And so what you're going to see next after this is Peter preaching the gospel the same way he did earlier in Acts. So let's go to the gospel. This is my favorite part. I actually have the most notes in these few verses (laughs) than I do everywhere else. 
So we're going to start, is 36 to 43 is basically the gospel. But we're going to uh, start with 36 to 38. So this is what it says. It says, so this is Peter preaching now. The word which was sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know the things which took place throughout all of Judea, starting from Galilee, after the baptism which John proclaimed. You know Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all those who oppressed them, who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with them. What stands out to you in these verses? To me, when I read it for the first... I've read this a few times. But this time when I read it, something stood out to me. What was it? Can anybody point, point at it? Yeah. Right. Right. So what stood out? No? Adrian? Marcia? No? Okay. What stood out to me was the tone in here which he was talking. You notice how he says, you yourselves know the things which took place. Historical event. There's no maybes, if, could it, you know, did Jesus really resurrect? He's talking historical events. This is a history lesson I'm giving you of things that happened that you should know about because remember, they're far, far enough removed that you can still remember, right? We're 2,000, we're 2,000, some 2,000 years apart, Right? But they were not that far apart. So look, I mean, just see, look at how he says it. You yourselves know. And then in verse 38, you know of Jesus of Nazareth. Like, Nazareth. Like, matter of fact, this is, this is, this is history. This is, this is not, not disputable. We, we know this. Right? And the reason why, why uh, I say that is because today, you know, people argue that did Jesus really exist? We've seen those documentaries, right? Did Jesus really exist? And this is a historical account of what's really happening. And their their tone is, yeah, you know, you know, like imagine he would have said it, you, you know, instead of you know, you know of Jesus of Nazareth, instead of have you heard of Jesus of Nazareth, he didn't say have you heard of, he said you know of, fact, right? So think think about that tone. But let me point out something else too. You know, go ahead, Adrian. Yes, it makes me think because um, you know he was studying. Um, Cornelius was studying the Bible and he was studying the Old Testament and then we know that he's heard of Jesus right. and then he's given this vision and he knows that Peter you know is a man who's preaching of Jesus mm-hmm. so he's waiting to hear about it so I could just imagine that and then of course the fact that he was part of the Roman you know guard you know the centurion so he knew what happened he knew right. he went up on on, on, on the cross, on the cross, and yeah. he knows what that entailed. And so he heard the stories. He's studying the Old Testament, hearing the foretelling of it, and now here's Peter to right give right. him the gospel. Give him the gospel. And Marcia, the, the reason I, I like this part because now it's, it, um, we're still getting to the best part of the Holy Spirit part. But you notice how Peter was, you know, three times he had to be questioned, and you know, the, the unclean and unclean. But now when he gets to this part, he's speaking with confidence. Facts. This happened. And you see how Peter's, you know, in the next, how his, his at least in writing, right? How he's, you know, he went from tradition, you know, reverting to tradition to man. I'm speaking with power now, right? So I want to point out to you a, a, one more thing. There's a reason why, and I'm going to highlight it here because I totally can't because it has a cool pointer. But <laughs> in verse 37, it says, "After the baptism which John proclaimed." There's a reason why Peter 
brought up the baptism which John proclaimed. Why was that? Why did he have to throw that little nugget in there? Because it's what began his ministry. Right, but remember, John, uh, John the Baptist, he he was you know at, during the Acts it was it was a repentance, it was a salvation by by the Holy Spirit, right? Preaching baptism by the Holy Spirit, right? In Acts chapter two, right? But the baptism that and I don't want to step, I don't want to move away from the microphone. So the baptism that John the Baptist was preaching was baptism of repentance. Remember, John the Baptist said, "Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." So John's baptism was repentance. So let me ask you a question: Did Jesus need to repent of anything? No. So why would he get baptized by John the Baptist? Because he was going to die on the cross. Right. For, for us. For us, exactly. So there's five theories to this, right? And you can pick and choose which ones, but in doing my study, I came up with five theories. I'm going to read all of them to you. It could be one of them. It could be all of them. But let me, let me read to you what, what, uh, what these, these, these study guys said, right? Theory number one. It was an example for believers to follow. Right? Well, we say, we say that too. Right. Okay. Exactly. So that makes sense, right? Yeah. Plausible. Number two. It was his identifications with believers' need. Makes sense, right? So far, so good. Nothing, nothing really crazy, right? Number three, it was his ordination and equipping for ministry. That thing that you just said, right, Adrian? Right. So, we, so that's the third theory, right? Or theory, or you know, however you want to take it. Number four, it was a symbol of his redemptive task. He would die for us, right? Actually, there's six of them, not five. I'm sorry. There's six theories. Number five. It was his approval of the ministry and message of John the Baptist. Right? Seal of approval. Yep. I'm doing it because, you know, this guy's good. Right? And then number six, it was a prophetic foreshadowing of his death, burial, and resurrection. And you could actually cross-reference some Bible verses like six Romans 6.4 and Colossians 2.12 for that. Right? So, the Trinity is also present in verse 38. Jesus of Nazareth, right? God anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit. Or Holy Spirit and with power, right? So all three persons of the Trinity are there. Jesus, God, Holy Spirit. Like, kind of like Matthew 28, 19, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Again, I'm, you know, consistency. The Bible is very consistent. Any questions? What do you guys think of those theories, by the way? Almost all of them were yeah. maybe part of the reason, right? Now they make sense, right? But yeah, but at, at first, because that's a point of of, uh, of contradiction, if you will. You know, well, why did Jesus need to be baptized? He was, you know, he because we we proclaim Jesus was perfect, sinless, right? Well, and someone could say, but, but that's your answer. But then you would ask, why did he need to die? Exactly. He did it for us. So, exactly. So you could also draw the parallel that exactly that maybe he was baptized. Exactly, exactly. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. All right. This is where it gets really fun, guys. Verse 39 through 42. How are we doing on time, Adrian? We're okay, right? We're okay. We're okay. All right. We're okay. All right. So 39 through 43, but actually this particular slide, for those of you that are missing the totally cool PowerPoint slides, is 39 through 42, right? So we're going to read. We are witnesses of all the things he did both on in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They also put to death 
They also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. God raised him up on the third day and granted that he become visible, not to all people, but to witnesses who were chosen beforehand by God, that is, to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. He ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly to testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. So, who is they in verse 39? Let me see. Is this thing not working? Is the battery not ready? There it is. There it is. Alright. <clears throat> who is they? And yep. they put him to death. Well, we think of the Roman soldiers. Roman soldiers. Are, do you think there's a bigger meaning? Uh, yeah, it, it, they is a, it's a, it's a, it's a comprehensive term. I think it would be everybody that didn't believe he yeah. was... Yeah, it was uh, the son of God. right. So Peter, Peter's making the point that it wasn't just it was the Roman soldiers, but it was the Jews, the mob, right, the mob of people, and then the Roman soldiers, like you said, Marshall. So yeah, it was everybody. Right, he's making that point. But number forty, it gets really, really, really fun. So number forty says God raised him up on the third day. So who raised Jesus on the third day? In this, if you were to read this, who raised God. Jesus on the third day? God, right? Right. Let me take you to John. Actually, before John, let me take you to Romans 8, 11. Let me read that for you. And do you tell me who raised Jesus on the third day? But if the spirit of him who, was, who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Who raised Jesus from the dead in that sentence? The Spirit. The Holy Spirit, right? With a capital H. The capital, it was a capital S. So, yeah. So, in that in that sentence, who raised Jesus from the dead? The Spirit. Spirit. All right. Let me take you now to John 10, 17, and 18. Are you looking for it? Uh, so, you could... Liz, are you looking for it? John 10? Okay. Let me read it. Who raised Jesus from the dead in this sentence? All right. This is Jesus talking, right? For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my own life so that I may make so that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father, who has the authority to raise Jesus from the dead on the third day. Yes. So Trinitarian. Trinitarian, you know, verse 40 is a Trinitarian statement. Peter is very careful with his words, as you could see. He knows Spirit raised them, God raised them, Jesus raised them, three three persons, one God, Trinitarian theology, at work in verse 40. Any questions so far? No. In Acts 2.24, also says, but, God's ra- but God raised them up again. So in, earlier in Acts, God raised him up. So in Acts, God raised him in Romans, the Spirit, and Jesus spoke on his own authority saying, he lays it down, he takes it up again. Who's, I don't know. Am I, am I here? That's pretty cool, right? I think that's, that's amazing. So, I, I think, you know, the fact that all three were involved in the resurrection is absolutely amazing. It, the Bible is just so, so amazing when you read it and you study it like this and you realize that, man, they're, they're the the the, the, you know, the three the Godhead the triune God is present everywhere in the Bible, you know 
But now I'm going to throw a challenging, I'm going to challenge you a little bit, right? So witnesses were chosen beforehand. What do you guys think that means? Witnesses were chosen beforehand. Before they were born, God knew. Before. Mm -hmm. predestined. So predestined, right? It's a little predestination statement for those Mm -hmm. Calvinist people out there, right? So, you know, yeah, it it talks about, you know, God knows the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega, right? So, uh, again, you know, this is part, this is what we do to Bible study. To me, this is, this, when people come at you questioning the Bible, man, this is really good stuff. This is really good fuel. You know, uh, in verse 42, it's not just preach, but also make disciples, right? So, uh, the last part here, I'll highlight the, this last part. I'm gonna, verse 43 is gonna talk a little bit more about it, but here it says, and God who has been appointed to judge the living and the dead. So who's, so who's gonna judge the living and the dead? What does that mean, living and the dead? What does that mean? What does that mean? The second coming. Boy, you're just full of spoilers today. Aren't you? <laughs> it's actually, it's actually, that's actually talking about the second coming. Let me tell you why. In John three seventeen, check out what John three seventeen says: For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. So, again, people might people like to point out as a, that's a contra- they sound contradictory, right? But if you read the Greek text, this is this is definitely referring to a second coming. So it is not a contradiction. It is it is consistent because in verse forty three, it says, "Of him all the prophets who bear witness that through his name everyone who believes in him will receive forgiveness of sin." So that now now that goes with that is consistent with John three seventeen, right? So pretty cool. Any questions so far? Now. Let's stay in verse 43. I, I left it, I put it by itself for, for a reason. Right? The gospel message is in there. All in there. Let me ask you guys a question. Who is, who's going to receive forgiveness of sin? Everyone who believes in Him. Right? Mm-hmm. Everyone who believes, right? Who receives forgiveness of sin? Everyone who believes. So everyone. So the gospel is for? Everyone. Everyone, right? How do they receive forgiveness of sins? By what means? By believing on Him. By through 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 who? Jesus. Through Jesus, right? So, everyone believes through Jesus that through through His name, through Jesus. How? By believing in Him, right? Mm-hmm. So everyone that believes in Jesus receives forgiveness of sin. And what does they receive? Forgiveness of sin. So, whose work is it? Who initiates the whole thing? Spirit. Holy Spirit and God, right? Is it man-centered? No. no. Do we have anything to do with it? No. no. Uh, let me see. I have a couple more questions here. Who did all the work? Jesus. Jesus, right? Yeah. Pretty. I mean, think of, uh, that one sentence it conveys all that. <clears throat> all right. How are we supposed to respond, though? How do we respond to this message? Right? Is repentance, faith, right. obedience, perseverance, but it is a gift of God, right? But I mean that forty-three verses is pretty amazing. It, 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 it's the gospel message in two sentences, three sentences. So yeah, always think about that. The gospel is for everyone through the name of Jesus, for those that believe in Him, and they receive forgiveness of sins. So they have to acknowledge they're a sinner first, right? To be forgiven of a sin, you have to know you're a sinner, right? Right. So that's implied. So 
44 through 46. We're at the grand finale here. And this is the part I've been waiting to tell you, Marcia. So, (laughs) while Peter was speaking with these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. There it is. Right? All the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. And Peter answered, and we're going to go to Peter's answer, answer next. We're going to stop right there. That's like the little uh, you know, suspense stop, right? But this sounds familiar. How come, th- how come it sounds familiar? Holy Spirit pouring on people. How, what does that remind us of? Because it, ha- it happened after Jesus ascended it back to heaven. It happened in Acts chapter 2 mm-hmm. also, right? Mm-hmm. In fact, this is very similar to Acts chapter 2. Right? And we studied that. Pastor Steve has taught chapter 2 earlier. Right, so, Cornelius was a believer of God, right? But notice how the Holy Spirit poured on everybody there. But who was there? Cornelius' friends. Do we have any evidence or indication that Cornelius' friends were also devout or God-fearing? No, but I'm sure that he was telling them. Right? But the fact that the Holy Spirit fell upon them as well, game-changer. This is game-changing stuff. You know? Uh, In Acts 2.38, Peter said, Repent, and each of you will be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, similar to what we just read, and you will will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, similar to what what we're seeing right now. The Holy Spirit fell upon those who were listening to this message. The difference is, is that if I'm not mistaken, Acts chapter 2 was Jews. Mm -hmm. This one is Jews and Gentiles. Any other differences that you see besides that? Uh, and then they were hearing the speaking of tongues. Right. <clears throat> so in, in Acts chapter 2, there was speaking of tongues as well, right? But in Acts chapter 2, and Pastor Steve spoke about this uh, in a few weeks ago, speaking of tongues, and what, what was the context of the speaking of to- in tongues in chapter, Acts chapter 2? It's other languages. It's not Babel. It's not Babel, right? It's not gibberish. It's, it's other languages they that understood. translators understood. Yeah. So here, do we have any reason to believe it would be different than that? No. No? Right? I've had friends tell me that it's different. But they're believers too, so I, we, you know, I guess it's a secondary thing. Huh? There's no indication that it's different. Right. There's not. I I agree. You would have to inject that. Exactly. That's what I think. But I don't know. Some people people have different, you know, more charismatic than others, I suppose. And that's okay. Let's go back to the Bible. Yeah, right, 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 right. And also, you know, keep in mind that this, we're, we're not there yet, but this event, this event is so revolutionary. It's actually in Acts chapter 15, the Jerusalem Council, is, is that happened because of this. So, we, you know, Pastor Steve, I'm sure, will do chapter 15 when he comes back from his little hiatus. <laughs> so, um, so, uh, but yeah. But the, the, the Jerusalem Council, you know, this was one of the reasons why the Jerusalem Council happened, right? And so now, church order. This is why I left these two, last two verses at the end. Because this is what Peter says. Surely no one can refuse the water for these to be, for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did. Can he? And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. They asked them to stay for a few, only for a few more days. So, what is the order what was the order we saw here, right? They believed, 
the Holy Spirit poured on them. They, they obviously they, they they converted to Christianity. Clearly, right? they became Christians, right? And as soon as they repented and believed, they baptized. They baptized immediately, right? Was there was there Marsha? Was there any any waiting time? I was like, oh, let's wait a week before we baptize you. There was no waiting. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any wait time? No, nothing, right? Right away. Right. That's interesting. Right. Now we want to make sure we want to check them. Now, we, want, <laughs> now we need a checklist. Now we need a checklist of salvation, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, no. They, they, they immediately got... And I think, I don't know. Should the church be doing this? Should the church be the arbiter of... Are you really saved before we baptize you? Or should we follow the church model, the, the Acts model and well, say, you know what? can't be the arbiter of that. Right. Well, I don't know, but I wouldn't argue over it. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, and the reason, you know, the reason why this stood out to me, Adrian, you and I, oh, this was last fall. We were in the fall. This was like October, November. We went to Huntington Beach, and um, we, we, we got our feet, you know, we got our you know, feet in the, in the sand, but we didn't get in the water. It was too cold, right? Mm-hmm. But we saw a church. I don't know if it was Calvary Chapel. I don't know what church it was. Was it Newport? No, no, no. It was Huntington Beach. Oh, so this pastor was with like five or six people, and they were getting baptized in the ocean. And the waves were crashing. And the passengers went and, and you know, because they, I could imagine they, they were that, they were acts of salvation. They were, I'm saved. I don't care if it's fall. I don't care if it's cold. I don't care if we don't have a pool in, in our church. I want to go, go get baptized. And the pastor, to his credit, obliged. Right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, in verse 47, it's a rhetorical question, right? They, they didn't really demand an answer, right? Surely no one could refuse the water for these to be baptized who had received the Holy Spirit just as we did, can he? Like, it was a rhetorical question. He, there was no answer there. He was actually proving the point. And I think because, and he also witnessed it. it he witnessed it. He witnessed it. it. And keep in mind that he, they were baptizing Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Gentiles. It wasn't just other Jews immediately baptizing. Like, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think church order should be, hey, if somebody's professing Christ and, 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 you know, yes. and, and they're professing Christ, Let's dunk you. Let's I'm a dunker. <laughs> so, <laughs> dunk Don't make them wait. wait. Don't make them wait. No, they didn't make them wait. Like um, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, right? Yeah, immediately baptized. I think there's several examples in the Bible where they get immediately that guy baptized. That was like, there's water right here. What's to prevent me? Yep. Right? What's to prevent someone from doing yeah. that? Yeah, I had a lot of fun, guys. I, I, I want to thank Pastor Steve. I know he's probably going to listen to this uh, for allowing me to teach this because I had I, I had a blast studying this. Really, I really did. And um. If you guys want to, you know, I'm going to put my notes, my the PowerPoint, along with all my notes, some of which I didn't even say because it just didn't fit in the lesson, uh, are going to be available on the website. You can just download it. Download the PowerPoint presentation. It's free because all the notes are there. And I think I even, do I? I don't have my references. But if you want to know my references, uh, it's they're there. So uh, I'll, I'll give you my references. So it, 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 uh, a lot of references, a lot of references. But any, any final thoughts on Acts chapter 10? I guess we did finish the whole chapter. That's good. I, um, I really like this because, again, I've read it before and never really truly paid attention to, I mean, you know Cornelius had this vision and then Peter was having his vision. He questioned it, whatever. But the fact of, you know, I guess the parallel to the Levitical law yeah, and, and how... They wouldn't eat the the crawlers, the animals or the mm-hmm. fish or whatever the crawlers, and he tells them eat and tells them no three times, and then he takes them from them, and then you know, then all of a sudden it's God's voice telling him, get up, you're gonna go, and these people are here for you, and it's him. 
you know, it's God telling him at this point that the Gentiles are are going to be saved too. Right. And 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 yeah. I, I I really really enjoyed learning that part, and then it was to the point where he was like realizing you know it probably got convicted on that road because I'm sure he was talking with mm-hmm. you know those soldiers on that two day journey and yeah. they were hearing they were chanting. he was hearing and what they were hearing and then all of a sudden he comes and there's a whole bunch of people there waiting to listen. Yeah. And you know he gets right Yeah, to I, I can imagine in a two day trip you're gonna get to know those people. And, and you know, that's why Peter's changed you notice how Peter changed. Pretty radically, right? Well, I wouldn't say radically, but he definitely changed he from changed. questioning everything yeah. to like, let's get him baptized right away. Yeah. It's because during that journey, you know, four days in total, right? Or two days, I suppose, he got to know them. He knew their hearts. He knew, he knew where they were at. He, he knew when he met Cornelius, I mean, the guy was throwing himself at him. Mm-hmm. So he, he sees all these things. Peter's obviously, not, you know, very smart man. So he, he saw, he noticed, and he, he listened to God. He's like, okay, God, I get what you're teaching you know, I get what I'm learning. And then about. I think it also speaks to Peter because Peter, I mean, yeah, he didn't always get things correct or didn't get it right away. You know, even I know yeah. we had the discussion about him. You know, there was stubbornness probably in there. Or there a bit was of stubbornness. a question of, yeah. you know, was he um, was he just wanting to make sure and that it wasn't himself and it was actually God speaking to him? And then when yeah. he realized, oh my gosh, this is God, it was like, yeah. oh no, I better, you know, go. And then yeah. Peter, it's he's the rock. He's, he's the, the rock. One. That God's going to build and, Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of why I brought up earlier about, you know, the whole, you know, pedestal thing. Because, you know, Peter is considered the rock which the church will be founded on. Mm-hmm. And he's not wanting anybody to bow down to him. Mm-hmm. On the contrary, he's like, no, no, get up, get up, get up, get up. But today, and some religious leaders from every denomination and, and you know, sect of Christianity, really, they're on a pedestal. We put them on pedestals. Mm-hmm. And, and not just not just the kissing of the ring, celebrity pastors. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, they want a thousand followers, a hundred million followers, or whatever. So it's not just it's not just exclusive to Roman Catholicism. Even in, in, in Protestantism too, we have celebrity pastors, mega church pastors that you know want to have you know private jets. It's like that's not nothing, nothing humble about that. Yeah. But anyways, you guys missed this. Um, Caesarea. <laughs> Jump. Can you tell he 30 miles. Eh? Eh? You guys are missing out on the back guys. All right. So uh, let's close it out in prayer. Thank you guys for, for listening, and, and I hope you guys learned something. So, Adrian, would you like to close it out in prayer? Lazaro, would you like to close it out in prayer? I, I, like, I think Adrian would be great yeah. at this. I think Adrian would be great. It's an inter- interactive podcast here, you can see. Yeah, let me move the microphone to you, Adrian, so okay. you can hear your prayer. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you, and I praise you for the word that is going gone forward today, Father, that you were able to use. Uh, Diego tonight to teach us uh, in Pastor Steve's um, absence. Father, I just pray that you continue to protect him and and his wife and, and his daughter, Father, and that that they're just um, that uh, that no harm comes to them, Father. And I just uh, thank you and I praise you that we just take this message and we're able to um, really digest in you. You've taught us something new, and then we go out and that we preach this gospel with the same um, power um, that you that you allowed for Peter as well, Father. I just thank you and I praise you. Give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.